standard issue for all women. Hello and welcome to one of this week's Sunday Chops. Over on the other one, which is the second part of our series on pregnancy, Jen chats to Dr. Marlies DeVivo and Sally Kettle, co-founders of new charity, the Active Pregnancy Foundation. Should our resident sports hound stop exercising now she is very much up the duff? Well, Google has turned up a whole load of misinformation, but Marlies and Sally have some good knowledge to share. Although, of course, if you do have a bun in the oven, please talk to your GP before starting any kind of new regime of exercise. In this chops, we are having a lovely time in my kitchen because QILF, Museum of Curiosity producer and our own resident bookworm, Anne Miller, came round to chat about her new kids book, Mickey and the Animal Spies, which has a cat called Clark in it. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, this Mickey's Clarky cat very much got involved and I had to edit out several sections when he thought we really should stop talking and concentrate on adoring him. But when my furry husband did let us chat, we covered spies, animals we'd like to live with, the joy of kids' books, and that time Dunleavy worked in Harrod's swimwear section. It was delightful. Before I let you at it, I'd just like to remind you that our next show is at 8pm on Friday the 14th of February, known as Valentine's Day to some, when we'll be at King's Place chatting to political commentator, journalist and comedian Aisha Hazarika, and brilliant actor and funny woman Pauline McLynn. Come! Ah, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. I'm probably going to have to stop that before then, right? Right. We'll fill your heart with love and your loins with laughter. Tickets are available from our website or from King's Places. And now, some proof that my secret doings have been discovered by that there Anne Miller. Hello, Mickey here. I am around my kitchen table, which is a delight, with Jen. Hello. Hannah. Hello. And the brilliant QI elf, spy connoisseur, general top bird and our book person, Anne Miller. Hello. And I need to add to that, author. Ah. (laughs) Anne has written an amazing children's book called Mickey and the Animal Spies. And while I'm in negotiations with my lawyer (laughs) for various thefts of my life, um, it is brilliant. So Anne, you wrote a book. Yeah. So it's called Mickey and the Animal Spies, and it is for seven to ten-year-olds, roughly, although I think younger and also people in their 30s, it's fine, or older. Um, I mean, my 40s, um, loved it. Yeah. It's about a young girl called Mickey who loves codes and puzzles, and one day she sees this code on the bus, and she solves it, and ends up being recruited by a group called Cobra. But instead of the government emergency committee, my Cobra is run by an actual Cobra, and it's a super secret group of animal spies. It's based on real-life adventures, right? Yeah. <laughs> secret real life adventures (laughs) where did you get the idea from the book is really a mix of my three favorite things so i love spy stories i love animals i love puzzles so it's putting it into one i've also always been really interested in the government group cobra because it's so secret no one knows anything about it and i just thought well what if that's because it's run by a snake because you wouldn't tell anyone would you if you found out no you know what it means don't you Cabinet office briefing room, eh? Apparently right. that's not actually true. Yeah, apparently even that's a rumour. Like, nothing, mm. everything about it is like, we think, we think, we think, and no one actually knows. Mm. Can I tell you a fun story Please about do. government spy stuff? So, most government departments have, like, a bit in them that's, like, where the secret stuff happens, if secret stuff needs to happen, <laughs> like, if there's some sort of emergency. Yeah. And the building doesn't exist anymore. They've knocked it down to build luxury flats, because London, thanks. And <laughs> um, it was called Ergon House. It's yeah. where DEFRA used to be based, mm-hmm. or one of DEFRA's buildings. And the sort of secret bit 
was in the bottom of it and my mate who used to work in like water emergency stuff so yeah. when you went down there there was a doorbell that you rang and it went like one of those shit ones from the 80s that was the secret code <laughs> that was just what they had so you know like, we'd like watch spooks yeah. me and my flatmates and there'd be like all these little whizzy screens yeah. everywhere and you'd be like having your eyes but I assume that everyone who worked for them got company cars and all the horns were around and around but I loved I loved spooks so much I spent a lot of university watching spooks instead of studying and they used to always do like just things I love where they'd be like um like if someone phoned up this like spy headquarters, you could you can't say hello spies because that gives it away. <laughs> so they'd be like hello Green Gauge Catering, Susan speaking, and I just love stuff like that. Like oh, you just how often you see things and you don't know, and I think it's a really fun thing to play with because you, it, literally anything could be happening. That's like the emergency codes. I briefly for a summer when I was about sixteen worked in Harrods because uh, some friends of mine and I had a bet of who could get a job in the maddest place. Yeah, I was going to say this is blowing my I, mind. I am, yeah. I am silent but in awe. What yeah. were you doing in Harrods? I was working in the swimwear department. I mean, that's a whole other podcast to <laughs> be honest. But how what? did we work together for six I years? Know. I don't know this story. They were really obsessed by security, yeah. obviously, because that's they'd had right. a bomb. Uh, so there were a number of codes mm. that you were supposed like to learn. Like Inspector Sam. Yeah, that came over the thing. And it was like, will all green managers go to reception or something? Mm. That meant get the fuck out or whatever. Really? So yeah, whenever I'm in a place and I hear something that says, can Mr. Fernandez <laughs> please call seven? And you're like, that's it. Something shit's happened, isn't it? Like What's something really on? bad has happened. Can yeah. Mr. Fernandez please brush his moustache? Yeah. <laughs> it's a code. It but I think I really love like Spooks and 24 and all shows like that. But I think I love the pacing of like thrillers. But I also love that like, sort of silly stuff. And I think yeah. that what's nice, what I love with Mickey is being able to make it animals so it's silly it's funny but it's got that slightly like what happens next pacing because sometimes things that are like very dramatic are quite scary for for adults as well and it's quite nice to find a way of doing it that's with sloths and spider monkeys was mickey always going to be a girl yes yeah yes. I, I presume that's important to you that girls have a half decent role model to look up to. <laughs> i think so well, i think actually there's quite a there is a good like history of like smart girls in mm. fiction. So I, growing up, I love the love Anne Green Gables, and she's so smart and thinks so quickly. And actually, my um, agent Louise also loves Anne, and we were talking about this a while ago. And she says it's one of the first books where Anne and Gilbert were obviously those equals about being smart. It wasn't that Gilbert was smarter because he was a boy, and they were allowed to compete. Yeah, and clocked, which is nice. And then Mickey's surname is Noonan. <laughs> <laughs> It's Thompson, which is after Christy Thomas uh, in Babysitter's Club, who's also super smart. Yeah. I used to read those books. Love those mm. books. There's actually an interesting history, because we went to your book launch, yeah. which was at GCHQ, and the, yeah. the guy gave a little chat about the history of yeah. GCHQ, and I immediately, when he finished talking, had to say to Mickey, oh, because I, when I went to Bletchley Park, yeah. that I learned some amazing stuff there, and apparently the only person to ever score 100 out of 100 in the entrance test to go mm. into, like that sort of area, whatever you call it, spying yeah. or code-breaking and all of that, mm. is a woman. Oh, is it really? Yeah, and that's considered really unusual. That's because awesome. at the time, they thought women would be quite good at typing. Actually. And not so good at like, the crackers. maths that was involved. So I've done Bletchley as well, and what I didn't realise, so we had the launch at um, Watergate House, which was the original home of GCHQ, and that's where 
Um, if you do the Bletchley Park tour, there's a bit where they show you a gate, and that's where when they solve the codes, they put them on a motorbike and send them out into the night, and they took them to Watergate House. That's where they solved them. Oh, really? so they solved them at Bletchley, and they analysed them mm. um, at Watergate House, which is really fun. And there's actually a really great, I think it's on for another month, a 100 years of GCHQ exhibition at the Science Museum, which is fantastic. I went to it with my friends, and it's free, but you have to register online. And we went on like a Sunday morning, so it was really quiet. And we went down through this like abandoned cafe on the ground floor, and my friends like, this is recruitment because like no one seems to know about the exhibition and it's just like there and you've got to find it it's so fun there's so many great facts in that exhibition like there's loads of like blackberry stuff and um, there's a really good display about two Russian spies who they busted when they were living this sort of life in London and the guy who ran their spy ring was posing as a seller of bubblegum machines and jukeboxes Nice. Yeah, exactly. oh. Just very like an emergency code with the jukebox seller. <laughs> well, Mr. Fernandez, please blow a special bubble. <laughs> so while we were chatting, my cat Clarky came in through the cat flap and is now, oh, probably heard that shaking his bell and eating his breakfast. Well, dinner. And there is a cat in Mickey and the Animal Spies called Clark. Yeah, Isn't that it? one's a complete coincidence. I um... She admitted she stole my name. No, it's, cool. I, uh, it's a very cool name. I borrowed that name off an email like ages before I met you and <laughs> everyone else in the book changed their name during the book and that one didn't because everyone was like yeah it's a really cool name so Thanks. it is a really cool name yeah. but then I um, they I print- struggled with the puzzles though so I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> and then um, they printed it and I was talking to Jen and she was like you know Mickey's got a cat called Clark and I was like I did not know that yeah. <laughs> and I was like actually mortified <laughs> it's quite funny uh, Clarky isn't an arsehole whereas Clark in your book is he's grumpy yeah he's the grumpy one your Clark is very lovely and well behaved and my Clark basically doesn't like anybody he doesn't smize as much no he's not a smizer um, um, but there's reasons he has his reasons yeah he's got his own are the missions. animals based on human characters not intentionally <laughs> Um, no, I just sort of thought well, who would be fun to have on a committee. So the committee, so the group is called Cobra, and it's run by an actual Cobra called Kobe. And then I slightly, loosely borrowed um, the NATO structure. So there's permanent members and temporary. So Kobe's in charge, and then there is a cat Clark. He's in charge of domestic animals. There is a rat called Rupert who is wild animals, and there's a spider monkey called Astrid who's international. So zoos and foreign policy. And then they have a temporary seat which will change between the animals in different books. And in book one, they have chosen a sloth called Tilda and everyone's really annoyed about it because she keeps falling asleep and she's always late for the meetings. I think she's based that on me. (laughs) (laughs) It's all coincidence. So you mentioned there book one because Mm. you are a canny elf. And you have planned a series. Yes. You've already written book two, right? Yes, uh, book two is called Mickey and the Trouble with Moles, which is a play on moles borrowing and double agents. Always <laughs> a trouble with moles. <laughs> I think if it wasn't, like, obviously cruel and you can't do it, but I'd love a spider monkey. I'd like a sloth. Sloth. Big into sloths. Where would you mm. put it? Anywhere. It's like hanging off a beam. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like the baby ones are just the best things. Yeah, they get bigger though, don't they? No, That's the trouble with animals. Right. It's like the whole micro pig thing. They're not micro oh, yeah. pigs, they're just small pigs, they will get bigger. No, you can genetically engineer pigs so that they stay small forever. But did you see I'm th- not suggesting that anyone does that because it's probably not. A but did you cool see there was a Guardian like experience column with someone who thought they bought a micro pig and yeah. instead they bought a giant pig and it's like the size <laughs> of a human? But <laughs> it now just lives in their house and yeah. it's like they use it as like a pillow and a sofa. They're yeah. just like the pigs have. In the best time ever. Doesn't work though. My my auntie used to have a shape that lived in her house. Oh 
Larry? Yeah, yeah, called Larry. Larry the sheep. Larry the lamb. Well, they live in the countryside, and mm. my cousin was doing some when he was about, I don't know, fourteen, something like that. He was doing some work on the farm, a farm helping out, yeah. and uh, they. It was like the little run, and his mum had rejected it. Oh no. And they were going to kill it, and he just picked up and brought it home. And my aunt was like, "Yeah, it can live with us." Which my it could... name is Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a good idea for a while. Yeah, and then it got big. But then it, it, it's not this just get big. So you can't you can't tra- you can't house train an animal like that. You can't. They, they don't have it in them. Sheep. Sheep are so stupid that if you run at a sheep. And then eventually you overtake it. It then chases you because it doesn't know what's happening. So just thinks it's a fun game. So yeah, it turned into a bit of a domestic oh. nightmare. But yes, they had a sheep living in their house for quite a long time. I once saw three sheep in a field, and they were stuck between two walls. They were facing one way, and there was another sheep facing the other way, and neither of them knew to reverse. They were standing there. <laughs> what do we do? Hey there, you lot. If you want to follow every aspect of our lives on social media, and why wouldn't you? Because you're only human. You can! We're on Twitter as a team, at Standard Issue UK, or individually on at Inspiragen, at That Dunleavy, and at Mixed Noonan, and I'd like to think it'll be fairly obvious who's who. We're on Facebook as well, at Standard Issue Magazine, and even Instagram, at Standard Issue Podcast. Come to us, look at our faces. Given that when we first met you, mm. you were our book reviewer, yeah. were back when we were a magazine. So you have read a lot. You've always been a fan of children's mm. books. Yeah, I never stopped reading. How easy was the writing experience? Or was it? Had you put a lot of pressure on yourself by reading an awful lot of good children's books, or did did that turn out to be a help? I think so. Originally, so when I started in the column, I just started writing I was writing crime fiction. I'd won this Agatha Christie competition, which was so I was looking at sort of detective stuff, and then I just sort of realised that. It's a lot more fun, I find, writing for a younger age group. Um, and so that sort of 7 to 10 bracket is just, you can have so much fun with, like, puzzles and animals and, like, jokes. And mm. it's just, it's a really nice... I didn't put too much pressure on, actually. It was just, like, my... Um, so I work at QI, which is the most fun in the world, but everything is very... We had to make sure everything, obviously, is sourced and correct. Um, and with this one, I could just make everything up. And that yeah. was quite nice. It's not even set in a real town, so it has to make sense, but it's not... There's no, like, oh, actually... Yeah, children don't tend to pick false plot holes as much. Well, as, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. So how do you how do you pitch it right? So how do you know? Like, it must be quite hard to write something for some like you know seven to ten and know how to do it in like a fun way, but not to sort of condescend to them. Yeah. yeah, I think that I'm still seven and a good part of my brain, <laughs> so <laughs> it's just that's like where I go back to, and I can like very strongly like remember reading when I was seven and know what I liked then and I think I still got that bit of my brain what did you like then um I loved um famous five that's my big thing I loved Anna Green Gables I loved the demon Headmaster. oh um, yes was it just on a TV, yeah. a TV reboot of and it's fantastic um and I loved I had the series so I grew up in the 90s I had a series called internet detectives and it was about children solving um, puzzles using the internet and like chat rooms and things but obviously now would be very outdated but I loved it 
Um, I wrote Goosebumps. I really got into Goosebumps for a while. I loved the Babysitter's Club. I read all. Of, I read everything and anything. I just go to the library and just work my way through everything. Through so my brother's shelves, through my friend's shelves, just whatever I could get my hands on. Really, it is interesting because I used to read a lot of Anne Fine when I yeah. was uh, like. Well, she did like a bunch of stuff from like quite little. So I remember reading her stuff when I was about eight, and mm. she does like some adult books as well now. But she's more known for her kids' books, mm. and. You can totally read those as an adult and enjoy them and take something from yeah. them. And so I find it really interesting that you could read something when you're eight and it just have a totally different meaning when yeah. you're, you know, 37. Kids books and young adult books tackle some really hefty topics. Yeah. So there's one, one of my favourite things I read last year is called um, No Ballet Shoes in Syria by uh, Catherine Bruton. And it is a story of a young girl who comes as a refugee to the UK and has a passion for ballet. And it's so beautiful and so, like, it's a huge theme and through a children's book. I've been joined by Clarky. Clarky's now on the table. He's getting involved. (laughs) All right, mate. Not my Robina, please. (laughs) (laughs) There's a brilliant um, children's writer called Catherine Rundell, and she wrote a book last year called Why You Should Read Children's Books Even Though You Are So Old and Wise, which is about why everyone should keep on reading them I think it's just such a range of kids books as well like, I think with adult books people tend to say you know oh there's crime fiction and there's literary and there's and they sort of say, often they lump children's books all together whereas actually there's yeah. as many I would say children's books as there are types of children and there's uh, funny this... ones and non-fiction ones and historical ones yeah. and scary ones and there's just it's like not one group women authors almost exactly. yeah exactly yeah, exactly. children are a niche everyone knows <laughs> yeah, that yeah absolutely oh god when I was it's funny because I reread a couple of books when my nephew was younger mm. that I had held on to one of which was The Demon Headmaster <sighs> one of which was The Machine Gunners I was really worried that they wouldn't stand up that you were like oh it's going to be awful The Machine Gunners in particular was really really good because mm now almost like a museum piece for like social history Mm. that like all all this stuff in it that I think when I was a kid if I didn't know what something was sometimes you just read on yeah and you didn't think too much about it but now you are like oh what is that actually you google it it's like some weird brand of tea that they used to drink in the 1940s or whatever that that they sort of feel like little snapshots of a moment of time even though that wasn't written until the 70s mm. it was about his childhood in the 40s yeah and especially with um picture books a lot of the ones that like still sell really well are the ones that have sold really well for like 20 30 years so you've got like your elmer the elephant and so i think there's a real heritage of like great children's books like that we already have but there's so many new ones being written all the time and it's just it's really fun seeing what's been written up and you said that you still read children's books. Have you read any doozies recently? Apart, obviously, from Mickey and the Animal Spies. I've read that quite a few times. <laughs> so I really love, so my friend Ren Robin Stevens writes a series called Murder, Most Unladylike, which are Agatha Christie-style murder mysteries for children. So we're in the 9 to 12 brackets, and they're fantastic. And she's got the last one in the series coming out this summer, which I'm really excited to read. There's one which I came out from Nosy Crow last year, and it's called I, Cosmo, which is about um, narrated by a golden retriever, which I'm pretty excited. Wow. So you're on top of my to-read pile. And there was a book last year called The Stormkeeper's Island by Catherine Doyle, which is amazing. And it's about this um, island called Arenmore, which is real. It's the coast of Ireland. And it's about a boy who has these powers and they passed out. And also he's got a grandfather with dementia. So again, it's dealing with big topics, but through children's books. And what else are you up to apart from writing children's books? Um, so we're about to start recording series R of QI. So we're doing scripts about things, about people and places beginning with the letter R. So we're doing a lot of research for that. And then they start facts, filming. Facts, so. facts, 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 So how many years is that? 18. 18, wow. If I've counted on my fingers quickly, correctly, <laughs> I think it's 80, yeah. What is your favourite fact that you've learned so far that you're allowed to share? Oh, that's a good question. I think what's not in a script. 
or before now if you can't that's a good idea <laughs> my favorite fact of all time which is a spy related is that there is a starbucks inside the cia's headquarters and they're not allowed to write people's names on the cups it gives me a lot of joy <laughs> and there's a brilliant long read about this cafe and it's just fantastic because if you know we all worked at the CIA we wouldn't be able to tell each other but if we saw each other in the Starbucks we'd be like hang on a minute yeah and they've got like spy themed things on the wall and the staff are there have to do special training and the receipts can't call it Starbucks CIA because that gives it away so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's called store one um so I love stuff like that just things that you don't really think about and then once you realize you're like of course because you can't put a fake yeah. name. and someone said well you can make up a fake name they said we tried that and made people very edgy Something to come up as a fake name under pressure, I guess. Is we've got four Mr. Hernandez. All got problems with their beards. But when I went, to, when I went to the GCHQ exhibition at the Science Museum, they said that part of the problem with codes is you need like if you if they're not completely random, it gives it away. You you can give it away. So if there were four code names, and I said, oh well, one of them is um um got a code theme I'll take that because like my book one or you like the one that was from near where you grew up. Then it starts giving them clues that you can use to break them. As if we randomly said, okay, you're vase your frog your rainbow and your sunshine then you can't work anything out but if you pick the one that you like the best there might be a reason why you picked it and so it makes it easier ah, to chip away well, why you're called that one of my scripts for qi is called random and one of the things we looked at was code breaking because there's sometimes where they send out a code and someone would send it twice and then if you've got two you can try and work out what the system was they're using to replace the letters with their complete or if there's one where somebody sent out a happy new year message and they tried it and they got the letters so if you try and you, they need to be completely random or you start giving clues to start cracking them it does seem a really sort of thankless business to be in Good example, my mum used to work for someone when my mum briefly worked at the foreign office when mm-hmm. she was a teenager, and we used to work for someone who she told me repeatedly that she was convinced was a spy, mm-hmm. because she used to talk about the war, but she wasn't allowed to say what she did in the war, oh. and my, so my mum was convinced that this woman was a spy, yeah. and uh, we used to go, oh yeah, of course, that sounds like, mm. like rubbish. Anyway, when we went to Bletchley Park, we searched in their... Um, list of people who work there which yeah. you now can do because of course they'd all been made to sign the official secrets act so they weren't allowed to say uh, what they did it wasn't this woman was being difficult they literally weren't yeah. allowed to say what they did and it turned out she'd been in like hot sex with alan Turing. oh and you're like what an amazing thing to do but then be like basically hampered your entire life from sharing that information or yeah. whatever it was 40 years alan Turing wasn't like when he was treated the way that he was treated mm. by the government and the law, yeah. nobody was allowed to say, oh, you know, maybe you make him some sort of special exemption because yeah. have you seen what he did for us? Yeah. <laughs> With the redacted, redacted, redacted yeah. thing that he did exactly. in a redacted place. Yeah. yeah. Because surely that, this, is, this is why I think spy fiction is so fun because you can talk about it. If you did real spy stuff, and imagine doing like having a day like that in real life and then just being like, yep. Going home and pretending you've been. Nothing happened. Putting new things in jukeboxes. Yeah. Yeah. Got a new flavour of bubblegum in today. <laughs> yeah, oh, by that, I mean I shot the King of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. <laughs> and what about Museum of Curiosity? What's happening there? Yes, we're doing another one sometime this year, so soon. And Mickey and the Animal Spies available in all good bookshops? Yes, it is. How exciting. It's fun. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us. Thank you for having me and for having such a great name. Standard issue for all women.